Wine, Food, Talk. NapaBroadcasting.com. Welcome back to NapaBroadcasting.com. Arguably, we are the wine and food capital of America. Napa has long needed its own wine and food festival. After all, far less important regions have their own wine and food festival. Several years ago, a dedicated group of people came together to create Flavor Napa Valley. It is coming up this weekend. We're going to talk about that and a whole host of other things with our guest today, Clay Gregory, the CEO of Visit Napa Valley. Clay, thanks for coming in. Jeff, thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Great to have you here on this week leading up to Flavor Napa Valley. I want to talk about that first and talk about this idea of Napa's Wine and Food Festival and hard to believe that for so long it didn't have its own. Well, the reality of how this got started, this is a true story, is that Michael Chiarello, Chef Chiarello, uh, said to many of us when he would see us is, how come we can't have a wine and food festival here? Why do I have to fly to Aspen? Why do I have to go to New York or South Beach? It just doesn't make any sense. And I would always say, well, Michael, every single day is a, a wine and food festival <laughs> in the Napa Valley. And he goes, well, you get what I mean. And so uh, we connected with the Culinary Institute of America, um, an events company called uh, Carlitson Company, who actually helped start the New York Wine and Food Festival, and they're involved in several others. And um, then Silverado Resort and Spa and their uh, management firm, uh, Dolce, to begin what became Flavor Napa Valley. And one of the, the great things about it being in the Napa Valley is that it is unlike any other wine and food festival because it's only Napa Valley wines, it's only Napa Valley chefs or chefs who graduated from the Culinary Institute of America because the beneficiary of the proceeds of Flavor Napa Valley is the uh, scholarship foundation at the CIA. So it's very different than any other wine and food festival, at least in the United States. And this is the third year? Am fourth, I year. fourth year. Fourth year. Wow. No, time's flying. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> and each year it seems to get bigger and bigger. More and more people from, from everywhere come in for this. One of the great things that's happened is, uh, which was our intent, is that... You know, we focus, as you know, on marketing the Napa Valley in the quiet times of the year and the quiet times of the week. So November through April uh, is what we focus on. We're not here to put more cars on the streets in July, that's for sure. And then weekdays are always quieter than, than weekends. So we really wanted this to be something that would bring people in when the valley was quiet. And so last year we had people from um, – 60 percent of the people who attended – came from outside the state of California, which is phenomenal because the vast majority of our visitors come from inside the state of California. And we had five different countries represented, so people wow. are coming from everywhere. Only 12% of the people who attended were from Napa County, which is really interesting, and hopefully we'll get more locals as things go along. But we really were trying to bring people in to, to get uh, November to be an economically viable month, and it is now. And it's become a huge success. Not only this, the film festival. Film I know festival there were a lot great. of people that not quite as far flung, but yeah. certainly a lot of out-of-towners here the past uh, week as well. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see because uh, historically the film festival has been uh, many more locals. We actually uh, get to work with the county to help allocate what they call their special projects funds. Right. And there's a certain amount of that that goes to destination marketing. And this year we recommended that they give a certain amount of money to the film festival as long as it was used for what we call fly market advertising. So it needed to be aimed at markets that are good feedback markets for us like Chicago, New York, Florida, Texas, 
those kind of places. And it'll be very interesting to see if we got a higher percentage of uh, out-of-town guests this time. And speaking of the worldwide market, you just came back from Argentina where you were part of the great wine capitals delegation. Yeah, indeed. I got to actually uh, stand in for Supervisor Bill Dodd as he was becoming State Assemblyman Bill Dodd. Right. Uh, and so I was the official delegate. And uh, the Great Wine Capitals is eight wine regions around the world that work together, especially about wine tourism, and there's no other organization of any kind that is focused on wine tourism. So we think that's really important, and the sharing of best practices. And we only meet as an entire group once a year, and the, the host city changes every year. So last year, it was hosted by San Francisco, our partner, and Napa Valley. So we got to host last year. This year, we got to attend and sit in all kinds of committee meetings. And we get one day out in vineyards and the wineries, <laughs> and the rest of the time, we're in a hotel. But it's, a, it's great fun because you see the same people every year, and you get to see how what they do in Rioja or what they do in uh, Argentina differs very much from what happens in the Napa Valley. And how is Napa perceived within the context of all those other capitals wine regions, many of which have been around a lot longer. A lot longer, but I think it's very clear that they all, um, maybe with the exception of like New Zealand, um, feel like Napa Valley is the leader in wine tourism. And I think, you know, I said this last year when they were all here, we had a dinner at Robert Mondavi, of course, because uh, I had to make sure that happened. And um, I said in the vineyard room that this is the place where modern wine tourism started. And it, it really did, because if you, if you go, even now, if you go to Bordeaux or if you go to Burgundy or if you go to Tuscany, Tuscany is a little bit different, but they're really, especially in Bordeaux, really focused more on media and on trade. They're not focused on consumers. And one of the very huh. first things that Mr. Mandavi and Margaret wanted to do, and they were already doing that at Charles Krug, in fact, before Mr. Mandavi started uh, Robert Mandavi, w was to really appeal to consumers. And, you know, at that time in 1966, uh, the United States was not a wine-consuming country. People would drink spirits and coffee and, and beer, but not wine. And so th their whole approach was if we get people more comfortable with wine, they'll start drinking it. And now the United States is the largest wine-consuming country in the world, which Mr. Mandavi must be very happy about <laughs> up there. And how are these other regions, how do they look upon wine tourism? I mean, we know from our own experience here that it even took a while to get people acclimated here to the idea that wine tourism was a great thing for the economy. For sure. Um, you know, in our case, in Napa Valley, tourism is the uh, second largest industry in the valley after, of course, the wine industry. So it's super important to all of our communities. In the other places, it's coming along because they are getting the, the, the how important it is, um, not only from an economy standpoint, but from a building relationships with your customer standpoint. Uh, a lot of times people will say, well, selling direct to consumer is so important because you get a bigger margin. Well, that's true, but that's only one part of it. Right. The, real, the real thing you get is a loyalty from folks who get to know the winemaker or the owner or even just you know, someone who they met while they were on a tour there. And that, those folks stay on board much more than somebody who's just buying your wine from a grocery store or a restaurant. But there's good data that shows because those people are excited to be in your club, say, they also want to tell their friends about it when they do go to a restaurant and they say, oh, I'm in this wine club. We have to have this Sauvignon Blanc because this is how it was made and so on and so forth. And so the other regions are definitely finding that to be much more important. South Africa has really done a great job of getting going in a um, very rapid fashion. And how have we done, we, we were talking a little bit before we went on the air, recovering from the quake and the perception that that was still a problem here. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll repeat this because most people sort of forget about this. 
is that the, the big quake in uh, San Francisco, which was much worse in so many ways than our quake, um, when that happened in 1989, there was no internet, let alone right. This was Loma media. Prieto we're talking Loma about now, right? Exactly. And so the only messaging that was going out was from the, the network television and from radio and from newspapers, and you couldn't tell your own story. So I, I remember vividly, because I was in Boston on a, a wine-selling trip with Robert Mondavi, and I couldn't get through to my parents at the time, and luckily I got through to my girlfriend who got through to them. But they, and luckily Al Michaels, who you know basically went from being sportscaster to newsman that night, had lived in San Francisco, so he knew a lot about uh-huh. it. But they kept showing the one place in the marina that was on fire, and they kept showing the collapse of the Bay Bridge, like the whole bridge had collapsed. Cool. So this time, we were able to tell our own story starting the next day. Once we got our arms around what the real damage was and that there were no fatalities, then we were really quickly able to take the message from being this is a disaster to the Napa Valley is open for business. You know, and we walked a really conscientious line about not making it act like there was nothing serious that happened because there was and many residences are still closed and there's still, you know, the Andaz Hotel's not open yet right. and there are the uh, our one side of our building, our office building that we're in is not open and, you know, Carpe Diem is not open. Um, so it was very, very serious, but at the same time, unless you were in that small area of downtown Napa, then you really didn't even see the impact of it. And people cleaned up so quickly. The wineries were all back open the next day and there were three restaurants closed, I think in the beginning. And now, you know, now there are two that I don't know what will happen with the, uh, all the hotels except for the Andas are now open and all the wineries are open. So it's, you know, we came back quickly and economically, the numbers are really good. I'm very pleased with how things looked when we when we got the revenue numbers for August and September. It's interesting how these things get reported. I, I remember, I think you and I may have even talked about this right after, that the night of the quake, that, that Sunday night, I counted no less than 34 satellite trucks downtown, and I'm sure I missed a few. It was amazing. I mean, when I got, as I told you, I was out of town, um, which my wife wasn't that happy about because she was here. Um, but when I got back on on uh, Monday night, I guess. Oh, no, it was Sunday night when I got back. Yeah, Sunday night. The, um, the Everything was swarmed with people, and then, you know, they kept coming in. And in the beginning, what they wanted to hear about was how disastrous it was. But the great part, and I think this is a real credit to to most of the media that that we dealt with, was that once they really understood that it was not, you know, a disaster in the valley hadn't collapsed into right. the sea. The grapes were not falling off the vineyards. <laughs> Did you hear that story? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was funny. The uh, there was some, uh, a uh, journalist went into a vineyard and saw that so there were grapes down on the ground, and instead of asking anybody about them, and he would learn that it was, you know, green thinning to make sure the other grapes get ripe, he. Decided Decided to tell people that they <laughs> fell off during the earthquake. Which the grapevines have been around a lot longer than earthquake. Well, the grapevines have withstood earthquakes many times before. <laughs> Indeed. Talk a little bit about some of the other initiatives beyond flavor, which uh-huh. we talked about at the outset, that Visit Napa Valley is involved in as part of this effort to attract wine tourism here, the right kind of wine tourism. Sure, sure, sure. We can, and and we, we, we can talk a little bit more about what else is happening and what we call um, now call Cabernet season, which is that period between November and um, April. But I think there some of the things that we do, I didn't even know existed before I got in this world of tourism. Um, and one of the main ones is we have a whole, we have a sales group now of six people who spend their time working with meeting planners, 
uh, leisure travel planners, and other kinds of folks who would potentially send business to the Napa Valley, especially in weekdays. And we're primarily a a leisure um, destination, so we're mostly busy on the weekends, which leaves a hole in the middle on weekdays, which we would like to fill up. Because Uh if there's unused capacity, then we'd like to fill that up. So we've now done um, what we call sales missions in um, Chicago, twice in New York, in Texas, in Southern California. We just did one in San Francisco last week and one in San Jose last week. And what we do on these is that we take the Napa Valley to these meeting planners and to these um, travel agents. And so instead of going to a trade show, which we do that too, and I'll talk about that briefly, but instead of doing that, we invite meeting planners to come to a place. This time it was at the Mystic Hotel in San Francisco, and we had 65 meeting planners and travel agents uh-huh. show up. We give them hors d'oeuvres and Napa Valley wines, and then we make a presentation about the Napa Valley, and especially San Francisco. I was concerned that, well, these people have all been there and they'll know everything, but they don't. They don't know anything about the Ag Preserve and its importance. They don't know how small the valley is from a production or size standpoint. They don't know um, about the diversity of lodging. You know, before our organization had the wherewithal to tell our own story, other regions were telling our story for us, and they weren't necessarily telling an accurate story. <laughs> so some travel agents think that there are no rooms here under $500 a night, or they think that there are, is no place where you can have a meeting for more than 50 people, neither of which, of course, are true. So these sales missions have been hugely effective, and we get our par- partners to come with us. So we had six different hotel partners with uh-huh. us in San Francisco, and like four wineries were with us as well, and they get to tell their story, and they each have a table spread around the room, and the 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 thing that I really didn't expect, but that we get every single place, even jaded New York, is that the, people come up and say, thank you for doing this. Thank you for coming here and telling us this. You know, and it, they know we're trying to get them to, to buy right. meeting space here and rooms here, but they appreciate getting the information. And then the other side of it that we do as well is we do uh, a lot of trade shows around specific um, uh, types of uh, travel, mostly corporate. So incentive travel and corporate travel where a, a company would bring in, you know, a couple hundred people and, and have a meeting here for three five, or five days during the week. Um, and that's, the, I don't think we get as much bang for our buck at going to the trade shows because there are so many other people. Uh, but we're also doing good work internationally. And the way we're doing that is to work with Visit California because they have 13 offices around the world. And when we do something internationally, it's always with them because because we don't have the resources to do that on our own, but it makes that's a real good return for our money because we get the the muscle of uh, visit uh, California. So those kind of things I think most consumers aren't aware of. And then we've got a whole bunch of consumer marketing programs, right. especially in Cabernet season. Where is the focus internationally? Where are we hoping to bring more visitors from as we look at the the opportunities that the world provides? Right. Well, by far the the biggest um, markets that we have now are what you would expect. It's Canada, the UK, Australia. Australia and Mexico. But everybody and their mother has, you know, is looking at China with, uh, you know, very high uh, stars in their eyes. Exactly, right. exactly. So we actually have been to China with Visit California. We're going to do another China trip coming up. The Napa Valley Vintners have been very proactive in China. Right. Um, you know, it's still it's a, still a small wine market, but it has the potential to be gigantic, and and more and more they have money for that. So Asia is a real important market for us, and Korea actually is already a pretty good size. Uh, we and and we're just finishing up the ne- you know we did a visitor profile study in 2012, 
We're finishing up the 2014 one. Uh, it'll be, the next month will be the last month we'll be collecting data, and we'll get to see the results in February or March. And that shows that we're actually probably two percent higher on um, international visitors so far this year than we were just two years ago, which is exciting. As you look to fill in that midweek business conferences and all these things that mm-hmm. you're talking about. What, if anything, do we still need here? What would help you with more hotels, more conference facilities? What do you need? You know, from an infrastructure standpoint, I don't think that we are lacking anything at this point. The Meritage has really become a conference center for for big meetings. They can do 750 people all by themselves. And Silverado can do well over 300, and the Marriott can do about 300 as well. So uh, we don't hear that sort of clamor for a conference center that I think might have been here um, five or six years ago. Uh, So I don't think we need that. And then the other thing that is so different than it was when the the uh, last visitor profile study was done before 2012, the Purdue study of 2005, there, there, there was no nightlife then. People complained that there was nothing to do after dinner. Now we've got three performing arts centers and places like silos, and there are things to do. And we've got, you know, tasting rooms throughout Napa and St. Helena and Yonville and Calistoga that, at least in Napa, if, uh, if the Uptown has a show and or City Winery or the Opera House have a show, they're places that stay open until 2 o'clock in the morning. And then the other thing we have now that we didn't have then is we have visible art. So we've got Art Walk in Napa, Art Walk in um, Yonville. We've got tremendous galleries now. We've got wineries who are, who are working on art. We have a whole program called Arts in April that is all about wineries and art in April. Um, and we, we have done a really good job of, of letting people know that we also have more active things to do because as much as it'd be easy for me to do nothing but drink and eat on vacation in the Napa Valley, some people want to do other things. So, you know, we've got hiking trails the and vine we've got trail. vine, the vine trail on the way. Um, and we've got uh, golf and we've got the hotter ballooning and we've got Pilates. You can do a Pilates class up in the vineyard at Vineyard 29 and then go down into the cellar and get uh, wine and food pairings. Uh, you could, lots of places have yoga. So those are the kind of things that make uh, meeting planners want to come to the Napa Valley because those kind of things you can't do everywhere. You can't have a meeting in a in a cave uh, at a hotel. You can't have a, a meeting in the, the upstairs of a place like Behringer in the old cellar in a hotel. So when we talk about go through in those sales missions, the kind of places that folks go, oh, you can't have a meeting at the uh, any place uh, inside what the CIA is like at any hotel. So we've got a lot of attributes that we just need to get the word out about. One of the other initiatives I know that that you've thought about and have begun to talk more about is how all this benefits the locals, the the impact, the, the positive impact it has for those of us that live here. Well, the positive impact is incredible, and we, um, you know, we've uh, gotten a lot done in a very short amount of time. But we still have a lot of work to do on the community relations and and to a lesser extent on the government relations side. But the the uh, tax that uh, hotel guests pay is called uh, transient occupancy tax. And they pay 12% of their hotel bill. All of that money goes to local services. It used to, in the good old days, go back to destination marketing. But in most communities, that doesn't happen anymore. So what the hotel, what the people who are staying in hotels do for us is they pave our roads in part. They pay for fire trucks. They pay for schools. They pay for infrastructure. And I don't think locals really have any sense of that. But we're going to fix that. The best example is Yonville. 
66% of Yonville's budget comes from its hotel tax. 66%. It's the highest percentage of any town or city in the state of California. Wow. So without guests staying in Yonville, they don't have the money to run that town. And it, there's a, a, a figure that if, if we didn't get that uh, support from the tax that, that guests are paying, I think each um, citizen of Napa County would have to pay $1,000 more in taxes to match the level of services that we're getting now. So it's a tremendous benefit. And then the other thing on a... Um, softer side, but I think is important on a lifestyle side, is we wouldn't have three performing arts centers if visitors right. weren't coming here. We wouldn't have anywhere near the restaurants that we have here um, if visitors weren't coming. And the locals get to you know benefit from uh, both of those things. And for us, we only have one person who doesn't live, in, two people now, I guess, who don't live in uh, Napa Valley on our team, but even they get the, it, the things that we can do that are good for locals and good for visitors make us the happiest of all. Do you do you hear from uh, your partners that more retail is needed here? That's something we hear a lot about. Yeah, although in the in the more um, recent study, it was not nearly as uh, strong uh, um, outcry as it was in the two thousand and five study. Um, and and in, in this study, we kind of clarified it a little bit because it's it's worded as shopping, and it's hard to tell um, if shopping to the visitor w- was talking about because retail purchases included wine. Um, sales, so we're not sure if that was wine shopping or not. So we're gonna we'll get clearer data on that, um, but definitely there's still a need for more retail, and that's you know we're very excited about what Todd Zapolsky is doing mm-hmm. at the shops at now uh, Napa Town Center. Where we, I mean, if we can get just that one last not so good part of downtown Napa up and running in the right way, it, I mean it'll really rock. And and how do you look at the prospects for the next couple of years in terms of, of new initiatives and, and really as you look out beyond this study for the next two, three years? Well, I think in the macro sense, we're in very good shape. But the hotel business and the economy are, are cyclical. And, you know, at some point we're going to take a downturn, hopefully not like it was in uh, 2009. Hotel revenue in Napa County fell by 17% in uh, 2009. And now we're back up to way above, we're back up to way above 2008, which was the highest level ever. But I think things are good. I think the, um, you know, there's uh, appropriate concern about how much supply of hotel rooms is enough or how much uh-huh. is too much and i don't know the answer to that um but there are you know there are about eight meaningful projects that are approved and uh, some of them are financed in the, in the past few years the biggest problem for building new hotels or any kind of new financing. lodging is financing yeah and do we see any impact from competition from other places in california alone well sure i mean we look at every month we look at data from um sonoma and from monterey and kind of think of those as our two main uh, competitors. They're very different destinations, though, um, in that Sonoma's uh, average daily rate is one half of Napa Valley. So mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're uh, lodging inventory as a whole different kettle of fish. And most of their, at least hotels who are reporting, are in Sonoma and Rohnert Park, which are, there's nothing like that about Napa Valley. Uh, and then on the Monterey side, Monterey is a lot bigger um, but it's 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 also a lot more diverse than Napa Valley is. It's not really a, a wine region per se. I mean, it is, but a lot of people are going there for the beach or for the golf or. Um, and Monterey, actually, we have we have pulled in the last f- 
three years, I guess, 5% of market share away from Monterey. Sonoma has stayed about where it was. We've gained 5%, and almost all of that has come from Monterey. So uh, we have to obviously pay attention to them. It's just like people keep saying, or some people say, we're doing so well, why do we have to market it? It's like Nike's doing pretty well, too, and they're still marketing themselves. You can't stop. Clay Gregory, visit Napa Valley. If, let me just come back before I let you go to flavor. Uh, tickets, it's sold out. Tickets available. There, Could it, people still go to any of the events? I am, I am so glad you asked. Uh, the uh, Appalachian Trail tasting is sold out. But I know um, for a fact, because I just got this this morning, uh, the Top Taster event, which is on Friday at 2 o'clock with uh, Andrea Immer, that w- which will be a great fun. It has some room. Um, the Dean Faring event, he's one of the... Uh, Godfathers of Southwest Cuisine, mostly in Texas. That's on Saturday at uh, 9.30, and that's got room as well. Um, The Power Pairings, which is Andrea and her husband, um, John Robinson, uh, Saturday at 10.30, that has room as well. Um, And otherwise, things are pretty much wrapped up, which is great. Sounds good. Yeah. Clay Gregory, visit Napa Valley. Thanks so much for joining us on NapaBroadcasting.com. Appreciate it. Great to see you again. Thank you. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.